the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's podcast, sponsored by Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale at Hillsdale.edu. I encourage you to take advantage of the many free online courses there. And, of course, to listen to the Hillsdale Dialogues, all of them at Q for Hillsdale.com, or just Google Apple, iTunes, and Hillsdale. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt, joined by Senator Jim Lankford of Oklahoma. Good morning, Senator. Welcome back. Good morning, and it's always James, never Jim. Well, uh, James, let me say this. Uh, you're the most conservative senator that Oklahoma's ever had, and that includes Tom Coburn. You're a friend of the program. You're a great Republican. Moreover, the fetching Mrs. Hewitt told me last night, you'd be nice to Senator Langford because Cindy Langford is the nicest person I've met inside the Beltway in politics. So you got that going for you. Now, I hate the bill. I hate especially this line. $650 million available for the next five years for building the border wall. That means to me we're not building the border wall. Why am I wrong? Yep. Have you actually had a chance to be able to go through the actual text of the bill and the definitions that are there for that? I have only been sent uh, a number of things from the Senate GOP, and that is the talking yeah, points let me, from. Let me actually let, let me let me talk you through the let me talk through the language that's actually there that's behind that. It's actually sets up that it has to be the 18 foot tall or 30 foot tall. It has to be built according to the Trump standards. It has to be built in the Trump locations that they set up in tw- in uh, 2019 and 2020. Uh, it has to be built to those designs. And there's only a fraction of that money that's actually available under the next 10 months. The vast majority of that money is actually moved to the next year. It's available to the next president to be able to do that construction. And it lines up with the 900 mile agenda that was actually laid out by the Trump administration. So the actual language that's there around the wall is not only protecting the funding to be able to be there, which is the funding that was about to expire. We recapitalized, make sure it's actually protected. It's protected for the next administration. It's blocked off to be actually real wall construction and to keep this administration from spending that money for environmental remediation as they have used the money for already. They've spent a billion dollars in environmental remediation. This actually makes sure it's actual wall construction or repair of existing wall. Why doesn't it start now? Why doesn't it build the whole thing? And why isn't it done by November, Senator? Well, I would say a couple of things with that. One is Biden has been fighting against building the wall over and over again on this. So this does compel that that money can only be used for that and has to be used for that. But it blocks off the funding to say, let's have the election on it. And if Trump wins the election in November, then he'll have a pot of money sitting there ready to do that wall construction on it. And again, it's to find out where it has to be. It's the Trump locations that they actually identified in the Trump design that they actually identified. But, Senator, since you were the lead negotiator, along with Tom Tillis, did you ask for the wall to be built now in its complete form as President Trump attempted to get it done during his first term? Uh, so w- when you're talking about completing the wall, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always struggling with what that means, because the President Trump obviously did a lot of tearing down of old wall, putting up much better wall uh, in that place. We've got 2000 miles total uh, of of 
uh, border, we've got about 750 miles actually of construction. So if you're talking about completing the last 1,250 miles in the next six months, no, we didn't actually do that. Uh, we actually focused on, on what do we have, what do we want to make sure is actually done right. I'm either going to give it to the Biden administration and they're going to try to find ways to get around it and misuse those dollars, or I'm going to make sure that we actually protect it. That's what I, we did is protect those dollars, to make sure they're going to be actually used. But at any point in the negotiations, the Republicans usually ask, I've always been asking since 2004, 900 miles of the 1950 need to be secure. We need a big, tall, strong border wall. About, you right. can argue how many, less than half has been built. Some people say more, but it's less than half. Did you and Tom ever sit down and say, we've got to have the wall or we're not doing this? Oh, yeah, that's why it's actually in there. The appropriators are actually the lead negotiators at the very end on this because that's in that appropriation section. But, yes, we were we demanded that it had to be in there. It's one of the last areas that actually got required. This does I'm confused because this does line up with the Trump plan that was out there. Actually, the plan was more than a thousand miles on it in the locations, in the design construction. So I think that's my confusion on, on the wall issue. We are lined up with that Trump proposal in that design with those miles adding the next section. As you know, you don't allocate $5 billion all at once. You do it section by section to be able to continue to be able to move through it. That's the same way Trump did it. That's the same way every president's done it. We're not going to turn over $10 billion at a time and know it's going to take 10 years to be able to finish out that construction. But you could have written a law that said within six months you will build this wall, and the United States is capable of doing that, and you didn't. I'm just wondering, did you ever ask for that? You know, genuinely, hey, Democrats, if you want to get this stuff through, we need the wall finished by November. we got to show the American people that the wall is going to be built, the 900 miles. Did you ever ask for that? No, you never did, because that's actually not physically possible to be able to actually do in construction to be able to get that up. That's the same thing we had when, because this is new wall construction area that's harder to be able to do. What President Trump was doing in making very fast proce- uh, progress was actually tearing down old wall and putting up much better, stronger new wall on it. When you're expanding into new areas, you've got all your permitting issues. You've got everything else that's got to get done, plus all of the work that has to be laid out, just the survey work to do that. It's not the same as tearing down the old and putting up new when you've already got all the authorizations there. So we set aside the plan, how it needs to be done, the timing to make sure the money couldn't be wasted for things other than the steel bollards, the specific design with the anti-climb uh, pieces that are on it. So the design is very specific. How the dollars can be used is very specific. But we actually made sure that we're going to get this done. OK, Senator, we're going to disagree on whether it does that. But we're going to go to the other point I want to ask you about. This is, again, what was sent to me by the conference. $1.3 billion for ankle bracelets and other related monitoring costs for illegal aliens during the 90-day waiting period for their asylum hearing. Uh, Do you know how easy it is to take off an ankle bracelet, Senator? I do, actually. Do you know how hard it is to be able to detain 100,000 people all at once? Uh, The focus that we have is to have, we have 50,000 beds uh, that are set up. That is an epic number of detention beds. So we increase detention beds. We do increase detention flights. We increase the speed of actually of making decisions. Right now, we have a situation where people are released without any kind of monitoring, and they're released for 10 years into the country. We change that to where it's three months is what you're dealing with or less that they're going through that process on it. Most of these are going to be families that are actually coming across that will be a rapid turnaround for those folks to be able to actually deport them. And all of them will go through a higher asylum standard 
which will be very difficult to be able to get through on it and a much faster process on it. So we changed this from 10 years release to 90 days in that process. And for the vast majority of folks, they're actually going to be in detention. That's different as well. Do you so think it, it's it going to very different law on it? I know that. Uh, but one point three billion for ankle bracelets is not a selling point. It's almost well, it is ridiculous because they're easily taken off. And you know that. So though, although you change the asylum hearing period to 90 days, they're just going to cut the bracelet off and walk away. I mean, this isn't serious. It actually is serious on it in the sense that that person, if they do that, then they face consequences. They can never get through the legal system ever again. And if they're be picked up by any point and actually be deported at that point, they've lost all their rights and abilities to make, make any other claim. So it actually exposes them to any time they connect with law enforcement. I'm very well aware they could hide in one of our sanctuary cities on that. The vast majority of people actually will abide by the monitoring because these individuals are often in family units and they're going to expose their whole family to the process at this point. So I can only say I understand it's easy to be able to cut that off if you're a criminal and you're coming through. Our target is to be able to identify as many people as possible, get them into after they're arrested, get them into detention and to be able to hold them. And when we exceed that capacity, have some kind of monitoring system so we can actually turn people around quickly. Again, the alternative is the status that we have right now. To quote General Petraeus, hope is not a strategy and an ankle bracelet is not a restraint. Senator, I want to give you a free shot. All right. It's a free throw. Sell the bill to my audience because I'm going to be banging on it for as long as I'm on because it doesn't build the wall. And unless and until you go back and build the wall, I'm not going to be for it. But you get a free shot, Senator. Take it. So I would actually say you supported H.R. 2 when it came through the House because it built the wall. This is the same amount of dollars at H.R. 2. It follows the same exact plan as H.R. 2. I'd encourage you to be able to read through it and to be able to see the full part of it, not just the exact line on it. But I would tell you what's actually in the bill is it changes and closes the loophole in asylum. We had people in the Trump administration or days in the Trump administration. We had more than 4000 people that were illegally crossing the border and they were struggling with out-of-date asylum laws that are there. This closes those loopholes. That's not something that can be done by executive action. I know it's vogue right now to say just do executive action to be able to solve it, but this was a problem in the Trump administration. It's a problem now. Obviously, this president is not enforcing everything he could enforce in it, but this actually closes that loophole and makes the asylum process much, much, much more difficult. It increases our turnaround, takes us from 10 years in actually turning around people and deporting, which means never to 90 days to turning around and deporting people, which means it'll actually occur. It does use alternatives to detention for some of those folks on it, but it also makes sure that we're actually monitoring tracking. If they cut it off, <clears throat> then they lose all ability to be able to any other asylum or any other immigration claim. <clears throat> Excuse me. It increases detention beds and increases deportation flights. It does DNA testing to make sure that we're identifying fake families that are coming through so that we can actually pick up human trafficking. It does sanctions on cartels to be able to fight off uh, for fentanyl. Uh, This is a very strong bill that deals with things even like parole issues, because today the Biden administration will parole in 1,500 people at our ports of entry and hand them work permits on it day one. This ends that practice, so we're not just handing out free work permits at the border. So I encourage people to actually read it, not just to be able to follow through what they may see in media on it, to be able to find out what's in it and to be able to go through and ask a simple question. Are we going to allow the chaos to continue every day and the national security issues to continue every day? 
or are we going to actually do something about it? There's a difference between press conferences and actually taking action. And are we getting everything we possibly wanted as Republicans in this? No, we are not, because we have a Democrat Senate and a Democrat White House. But we have a shot to compel a Democrat Senate and a Democrat White House to do something that every single Democrat refused to, to do when Trump was president. We couldn't move anything on border security. This does change law and border security that will affect not just the next five years, the next 50 years. So, Senator Lankford, that was your free shot. Now my free question. Do you doubt that the United States could build 900 miles of border wall, the real deal on the 900 miles where it's necessary in 10 months if it put its mind to it and was ordered to do so, notwithstanding any other law and the money was appropriated by the Congress? Do you doubt we could get that done? Yeah, notwithstanding any other law, if you were going to waive every other law, if we're going to actually go into tribal areas and ignore tribal issues, if we're going to waive every other issue, sure, we could do that. We're Americans. We can do anything we want. We built the Pentagon building in in three years or two years. So 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 why didn't you ask for it? Done in that sense. Why did you not ask for it? Demand it. Say we must have this wall. I did get that wall, Hugh, and that's the amazing thing in this is. I'd encourage you to be able to read and go. If, 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 I, if I, you're saying I didn't demand that we have construction vehicles there tomorrow on it, and in addition to that, if we have 900 miles of wall, we still have a problem in the asylum system because when you get to the wall, you can still claim asylum because when you're in Texas, you're already in the country at that point. Hey, so Senator, stand by for a second. Let me go down to a break. I want, I want to give you a chance to finish your thoughts. Stay tuned. I am back with Senator Lankford. We'll put this on the podcast, and we'll make sure we play it in the balance of the show tomorrow. Senator, I, I want to go back. We, you, you and I agree we could get this done. We could build the wall in 10 months if we decided to. We are the United States of America. It's not in the bill. It's authorized. It's not required. The, the construction, I will read it. I will look at it, but it's not going to get done this year. It could have been done this year. You guys didn't ask for it. Or maybe you did, and they said I would no. Say, yeah, I would say under the Trump administration, even, they could not build 150 miles of wall in uh, 10 months. That's just not going to happen in 10 months with all the other restrictions and all the other aspects of law, acquiring the land, getting the rights for it. Now, if you want to just waive everyone's rights to their land and be able to government takeover in all those areas, I assume that's true. But I think a lot of landowners and other folks would pitch a fit about that. And I remind everybody in Texas, most of the wall is a quarter mile to a half mile from the actual border itself. So once you get to the wall, you're already in the country. So the wall doesn't stop you from entering the country. You've got to fix the asylum laws at that point. They could literally stand on the south side of the wall and yell at people and say, I want to get asylum on it. Literally, our officers by law would have to go around, pick them up, take them into the process, release them for 10 years into some backlog process that they'll never actually show up for a hearing. If we don't fix our asylum laws, no amount of wall is going to actually help. So we need to have the wall. But we need to also have the change in asylum laws. Well, I agree with that. I just don't think it gives us the wall. Senator, let me close with this. Do you think you'll get more than a majority of the 49 Republicans in the conference to vote for this? Yeah, that has always been my target. And we'll see where people are. A lot of people are spun up on this 5,000 number saying this lets 5,000 people in a day, which is ridiculous. That's not at all. It changes the paradigm. I, I did not bring that up. To deporting in the country. Yeah, I, yeah. I, that's and not so my. I, we'll, we'll see as people are going through it. If it doesn't have a majority of the Senate conference, will it be brought to the floor for a vote? That I can't make the call, but I would tell you that's always been my decision. Is that obviously McConnell and others have got to be able to make a decision. And uh, Chuck Schumer is actually driving the floor on it. But uh, members are going to look at it. They're going to make their own determination.
I appreciate your coming on, Senator. I really do. Uh, it's going to be a rough week for you because you're going to take a lot of incoming. I do not think the Oklahoma Republican Party was fair to you at all. You got tasked with this job. You know, I used to be a land use lawyer, and I had clients who said, I want 12 units an acre, and I'd bring them back six, which is a huge win, and they'd yell at me. But that's just the way it is. Your clients wanted more, right? That's what you're hearing? They always want more on it. We are a very angry nation right now on out of control border uh, contr- uh, border issues. I get that, but I would also tell you we don't make our best decisions when we're angry. Well said. Always great to see you, Senator. Thank you for joining me. I do genuinely appreciate it. Put on that Kevlar. You're going to need it this week when you talk to the conservatives. I appreciate your being back here. Thank you, Senator James Lankford. Thanks. Live from California this morning, where it's raining, and that means, of course, everything stops. There is no other news that it is rain. If the hamster cage falls over and gets full of water, all of electric grid goes down and California is plunged into darkness. Yesterday, I did a very husband thing for the fetching Mrs. Hewitt. I'll tell you about that a little bit in a moment. And on the drive home from the very husband thing, there was it sounded like we'd been hit by a meteor turned on the all news station on a Sunday, and the police, the fire chief of somewhere was speaking in terms one would associate with a meteor strike. Uh, really, aliens landing, uh, the, the war of the world's stuff, just crazy voice. It's raining pretty hard. And if you go to the Los Angeles Times, which has the other hamsters are working there now, keeping the lights on there, they fired everybody except Pat Morrison, thank goodness. They've actually got a headline. What to do when there's a flash flood warning. Um, here, Here's my assessment of that. Either Californians are really stupid or the Los Angeles Times is. That's, I don't know. The, the, the two answers are don't go in the flash flood or to swim really, really well. Why can't both be true? Those, both, are, both are true as well. I am just amazed. There's a lot of real news because the non-border security bill was released last night. And I'm going to go through it carefully with you because I have some friends who believe in this. Senator Lankford is joining me. I, I think Senator Lankford is among the very best Republicans. But he got sucked into the poker game that was fixed. And I'm pretty, I'm just a straight shooter. I tell you what I think. No Republican should vote for this bill. Based on, I got fed everything last night. Like, they were really worried that conservatives were going to think this was a terrible bill. And what do you know? It's a terrible bill. It's good on Israel. It's good on Ukraine. It's good on defense national security. It could have been better on all three. It is terrible on the border. I don't mean bad on the border. I mean terrible on the border. Like, get, run away, do not touch this. And you know what the giveaway is? The poker tell? First line in the summary talking points from the GOP, mind you, when it says border, $650 million available for the next five years for building the border wall. Uh, do we have Dr. Evil saying a million dollars? Because saying $650 million for the next five years for building the border wall translates to no border wall. 
One million dollars. Exactly. And so I'll come back to this. It's a it's a fiasco. They knew it was going to be a fiasco. They did their best. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Uh, in Israel, the Israeli Defense Forces say in the, the fighting in Khan Yunus is very, very intense. Dozens of Gazan uh, terrorists have been killed in the past 24 hours. Hamas, Islamic Jihad, the rest of them. Uh, Hamas has said that it's not going to agree to a peace deal to end the war until the IDF withdraws its troops from Gaza. That ain't happening until every tunnel is blown up and they get Sinwar or Sinwar's out of there. It's not happening. It's like saying, oh, we're, we're going to let Hitler and the gang skip out of Berlin. We might have done that in 1944, not 1945. Now it's almost... Uh, VE Day in Gaza, they still have to go into Rafa, which is going to be ugly. But they're going to get it done. Uh, I read Gallant, who I think is the next prime minister of Israel. I take Gallant very, very seriously. And this man is not much of a smiling, good to meet you, happy to have you here guy. But boy, oh boy, he's got to send cold fear down the spines of everyone in Hamas. If they have anything left to listen to, their transistor radios are probably crank radios. U.S. launches retaliatory strikes after deadly attack on Jordan base. Yeah, yeah, we we did that. I'm not really sure it did anything other than bother the people on the receiving end of the missile. It didn't do it. They, we didn't hit any Iranians. We, we actually did everything we could to make sure that the Mullahs and the Quds Force and the Iranian Revolutionary Guards Corps and the Mullahs were were not bothered by this. Uh, the the border bill I'll come back to. Jay Powell yesterday said three rate cuts this year, maybe, sort of, kind of. And most importantly, Nikki Haley did the cold open on Saturday Night Live. Can we play the Nikki? This will all be on the grand old pod. You'll have to belong to the universe. You have to join the universe to get the grand old pod, which I do on Monday. I've already done it. Got it very early this morning because there was so much Donald Trump yesterday and Maria Bartiromo and so much Nikki Haley on Saturday Night Live and so much to say that the, I had to get up early before the hamster, the water in the cage gets too high and it blows over. We really could go off the air because it is raining in California and that's like when it snows in Virginia. I, it's really remarkable about the coast. They're just... Ohioans say, "What? this isn't even rain. We call this April. And But in California, we might lose the hamsters. The power grid could go down. So I want to make sure you hear this. This is Nikki Haley doing the cold open on Saturday Night Live on Saturday night. And the funny part, well, I'll talk with Dwayne about this afterwards, because lefty social media did not like that Lauren Michael allowed her on Saturday Night Live. Cut number 11. Okay, our next question comes from someone who describes herself as a concerned South Carolina voter. Yes, hello. My question is, why won't you debate Nikki Haley? Oh, my God, it's her, the woman who was in charge of security on January 6th. It's Nancy Pelosi. For the 100th time, that is not Nancy Pelosi. It is Nikki Haley. 
Are you doing okay, Donald? You might need a mental competency test. You know what I did? I took the test and I aced it. Okay, perfect score. They said I'm 100% mental. And, you know, I'm competent because I'm a man. That's why a woman should never run our economy. Women are terrible with money. In fact, a woman I know recently asked me for $83.3 million. And you spent $50 million in your own legal fees. Do you need to borrow some money? Oh, Nikki, don't do this, Nikki. <laughs> Nikki Kiki Tavi. <laughs> Nikki, don't lose that number. Nikki Haley, Joel Osment. Nikki Haley, Joel Osment, we call her. Six cents, remember that one? I see dead people. <laughs> yeah, that's what voters will say if they see you and Joe on the ballot. Oh, that, yeah, that's not very nice, Nikki. It's not nice. And I'm always very nice to you, except when I'm implying you weren't born in this country. Even though you're from South Carolina, and now I'm going to beat you in your state. And did you win your home state in the last election? I won Staten Island. <laughs> and the parts of Long Island where the fist fights happen, where they, where they get out of the cars if you honk at them. I love my world star whites. <laughs> All right, well, that is a new one on me. Okay, we have time for one more question, and it's actually for Ambassador Haley. curious, what would you say was the main cause of the Civil War? Um, and do you think it starts with an S and ends with a lavery? <laughs> yep, I probably should have said that the first time. And live from New York, it's Saturday night. It was, by the way, an excellent cold opening. Excellent cold opening. And uh, good on her. I, I will be playing a lot of former President Trump's interview with Maria Bartiromo on um, Sunday morning, from Sunday morning, in the uh, third segment today, and we'll put on the podcast so that some of it, even if you're not buying the paywall, but if you want all of the Repu- if you want all Republican news by Republican for Republican, you have to become a subscriber to the uh, Grand Old Pod, which means you have to be along to the universe. Actually, just belong to the universe. You get it for free. You also get Dwayne three times a week. In the after show, you get me twice a week. You get a lot of good stuff if you join the universe. Uh, Generalissimo, yeah. the fetching Mrs. Hewitt is leaving for three days. So I was I was asked to do how, how long have you been married? Um, well, f- five years to the five years with yeah. the with the new bride. Five years, right? Yes, I've been married forty two. Okay, so I did a forty two year old married man thing yesterday. Uh, you went to go see a rom com? Uh, no, I went to see the sixtieth anniversary showing on the big screen of My Fair Lady with Rex Harrison and Audrey Hepburn. Eesh. Okay. How many points do I get for that? Do I get a lifetime? I'm free pass from doing yes, husband things? Fine, except that whatever points you get on that, you can never buy back your man card. Well, I don't know about that. It's a very good movie. We will be playing My Fair Lady a lot after we play Tracy Chapman a lot. Because last night's Grammys had a moment. By the way, I did not play last night at the Grammys. Wet, 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 but I did not play. That was It wasn't because of the rain. Another tuned, factual statement, yes. I, I did not. Uh, stay tuned, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Good Monday to you, America. Selena Zito is in the house for the Yinza Report. Selena, I must report, it's raining in California, so the power could go out at any moment. How are you? I'm, it's raining here. That's why I have frizzy, curly hair. <laughs> well, but your power is not going to. The hamsters may flood, and when the hamsters flood in California, everything goes out. 
Um, Selena, did you watch the Grammys last night? I watched it for one and only one reason, because I had heard through the grapevine that Tracy Chapman was going to be there, and that's why I was watching. And, we, and then we, I turned it off. I, wa- I played parts of that. What did you make of Luke Combs and Tracy Chapman last night? That was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. The music was beautiful. Watching the interaction between the two of them was also very wonderful. You could see his sort of respect and deference to her. And you see her and she's smiling the entire time. And when, you know, when do you see artists get up there and smile? They're angry, they're mad, they're whatever. That was just beautiful. It was, and I think it gave the lie to the whole... There's an industry that lives off of fake racial controversies. And Luke Combs covering Fast Car was a fake racial controversy. And those two exploded that last night. And I said, that's it. That's the moment. Uh, Selena, the, uh, did the Republican Senator Conference pro-border non-security bill flood you with talking points overnight, or was it just me? Um, well, I will selfishly admit that I didn't pay a whole heck of a lot of attention to it because I was trying to enjoy my Sunday night before I got into uh, controversy this morning. So I have not, I only started reading the um, the bill probably like 5.30 this morning. Well, I got it so all last night and I'm talking to my friend Jim Langford later. And so I wanted to be ready. And they got me the number one point under the, the, the it's titled Republican Wins in National Security Supplemental. Defense, national security, Israel, Ukraine. And then on the border, point number one, 650 million available for the next five years for building the border wall. What's that mean to you, Selena Zito? Um, I think that, that that means that it's not as serious as we expected would would be in that. And this is just off the cuff, but I don't know. Is that enough money for building the, the wall for five years? No, and it's available for building the border wall. That means they're not building any border wall, but they know they can't say yeah. that. And so they put it in there and it's supposed to make conservative. It's it's done. It's over. They, they lost. It's not going to pass. Am I wrong? I think most importantly, you the American people have lost. Right. Because it wasn't taken as seriously as the moment requires it to, if that makes sense. And that we see it, it used to be just on Fox News or we would just hear about it on your radio show. However, now the imagery and the impact is finally flooding across all the news networks. And people are scared. People are afraid because they understand now and they are seeing the long term and short term impact of leaving your border open to people who don't come here. Not all. I'm not saying all. But for a percentage of people that are coming here that aren't coming here to work hard, that aren't coming here to adapt and 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 live the American dream, but are here for destruction and crime and to cripple the country and to cripple our our soul. 
They also include $3.23 billion over three years for 50,000 detention beds, which is about a week in December, right? That's one week in December. Right. Uh, $2.5 billion for removal operations, including deportation flights. I don't care if they run those flights around the clock. It's not enough. Build the wall and do whatever you have to do to stop people and detain them to send them back. And 3.99 for implementing expedited review of asylum claims under new heightened standard, including 4,300 asylum officers, read government employees, 3,200 support staff, read more government employees, and 1.3 billion. I can't even believe they put this in here. 1.3 billion for ankle bracelets. It's crazy. One point three billion for ankle bracelets. Oh, that's it. I'm done. I'm voting for that. <laughs> what a well, dumb thing to put into the bill. So what I think is, and you, we've had this conversation on this show before. When you're making these big decisions about big issues that are impacting all Americans, you would think that the onus would be on to go to where the problems are. Not just on the border, not just in border states, but also in the bigger, larger cities where this is now becoming a problem. And really step back outside of your Washington thinking and seeing the impact it's having. And I think they missed that vote. I must tell you, this is the biggest disappointment. And it's not going to pass. I don't think it should. I don't even know if it'll get 10 Republican senator votes. It's like a political suicide note. And they labored mightily, and they brought forth a wet hamster. Selena Zito can be found at Zito Selena on X, Zito Selena on X, and all of her writings at selenazito.com. Thank you, Selena. Go 49ers. I'll be right back. Welcome back, America. Joni Mitchell, 80 years young, performing at the Grammys last night. Even Jim Garrity must have been moved by that. Jim Garrity joins us from National Review, senior editor there, also a contributing columnist to the Washington Post. Good morning, Jim. Hugh, I I appreciate Joni Mitchell. I'm just really glad to see Billy Joel back in the songwriting game. Uh, He did not wait. Well, I would have preferred a little sooner, but he did not wait too long. Just glad to have him back. I, I want to point out that this is true. Joni Mitchell was inspired to write both sides now during a flight on which she was reading Saul Bellows, Henderson, the Rain King. Did you know that? I did not know that, Hugh. Neither did I. John Podhorst. I never know what I'm going to get to on Monday morning. John Podhorst knew that and posted that. I think it's unfair for anyone to know that and not to have forgotten it. I was just talking with Bethany Mandel. The commentary podcast may be the best political podcast available. And it's unfair, actually, to put those people on at the same time. They know everything. Continenti's on there. Christine Rosen's on there. Abe is on there. And Seth is on there. Plus, Podhorth. It's not fair. They're okay. No, they're really good. They're they're really good. I'm just I'm just saying some folks might like the editors or Three Martini Lunch or any one of these other fine fine podcasts. But uh, <laughs> no, they're really good. All right, let's go to the border bill. The two key provisions. Senator Lankford's coming up at the bottom of the hour. Good friend of mine. Love him. Think he's a great senator. I got the talking points. I got five sets 
of Republican talking points last night on why I should be for this. Two things stand out. Under the title Republican Wins in National Security Supplemental, there are four subdivisions. Defense, National Security, Israel, Ukraine, and Border. Under Border, there is point number one, $650 million available for the next five years for building the border wall. And then my favorite talking point of many talking points, $1.3 billion for ankle bracelets and other related monitoring costs for illegal aliens during the 90-day waiting period for their asylum hearing. So, Jim, what do those two points tell you specifically about this bill? Uh, these are the bones that got thrown to the uh, Border Security Caucus or those who are who prioritize that. I, I feel like it's, it, you know, I'm surprised we're talking about this morning, Hugh, because I feel like this bill has died several times over. I feel like it's been dead on arrival. It was dead before it arrived. It's been going to be dead shortly after arrival. Um, I, I, you know, e- even aside from the presidential politics and the report that, you know, Trump is saying, let's kill this thing and give me credit for killing it. I, you know, best case scenario, I, I, I don't even know how you get close to this. Uh, Jim, this just, I have been know, asking for a border wall since 2004 in books published in that year and in 2006 and in a thousand columns since. Because it's the visible expression of an invisible conviction that the border matters. When it says $650 million available available for the next five years for building the border wall, that shouts at me, we're not building the border wall. Does it shout that to you? That's all, it's an authorization, not appropriation. And yeah. if, if, there was a, if I had a dollar for every time something was authorized, but not necessarily appropriated, well, I could pay off the national debt because those are two separate processes. And yes, I realize this isn't necessarily an appropriations bill, but... Um, well, you kept, you should emphasize it's million with an M, not billion with it's, a B. It's, it's million with an M, uh, and it's available. It's available for five yeah. years. They're not building the border wall. And then the idea of $1.3 billion for ankle bracelets. I went on Google this morning. You know how long it takes to find out how to take off an ankle bracelet, Jim? Yeah, what's the, the old movie title? Gone in sixty seconds. God, that's it. And and by the way, the cartels are busy right now providing their clients with the materials with which to remove whatever it is that the border patrol puts on their ankle when they come over. This is a disaster. Why do we keep doing this, Jim? We being Republicans. Uh I, I suspect. Actually, that's a good question for Langford. Don't ask. Don't ask me this. Look, there are two things that are kind of glaring. First of all, like the sheer number of people coming month after month and the fact that these numbers get worse month after month is a strong indicator of like this is, you know, we, we've been saying it's a crisis for a long time. We have not been chicken little. We have not been you know, exaggerating. It's been, you know, it's been, it is a genuine crisis. Finally, we've got Biden coming out and saying, yeah, you know, the border hasn't been secure for 10 years. Uh, you know, but obviously we can look at the numbers during the Trump years. They went down pretty drastically, particularly at the beginning of his uh, presidency and also during COVID. And COVID's a, you know, an X factor that nobody could have planned for. Um, but you have these, you know, like it, it's there. And this the irony is like this entire discussion, like a side effect is the potential of saving Biden's presidency. Because I think if this if nothing happens between now and November, the odds of Biden getting reelected are, are lower, right? This is a major weakness. All the polling points to it. Americans are fed up about this. They've been screaming for action on this. The weird thing is Republicans are effectively throwing this life preserver to Joe Biden 
And Biden doesn't want to take it. He like if, if I were Biden, I'd be like, oh, no, let's but Jim, like, like, if let's it was a more. real border bill, I would be for it. I mean, if they really secure it, because I want to fund Ukraine. I want to fund Israel. I want a lot of stuff in here. It's just not securing the border. Hugh, halfway would be a very nice start. And if we, we this doesn't even get this is like 10. This is the potential of five to 10 percent. This is the you know, potential for incremental improvement, assuming political will stays there, which we all know is a uh, not safe uh, uh, bet there. The only thing I would just point out here is that if you're if the attitude of Republicans is, well, we don't like this bill and they got plenty of reasons to not like it. And their attitude is we're going to wait until next January because Trump's going to be president and we're going to have nice big majorities in the House and Senate. I don't know if that's a safe bet. It's conceivable that you don't get that. that you know, you're, you're certainly not going to have 60 votes in the Senate. So Democrats will still have a filibuster. You may have a House majority. You may not have a House majority. You might be able to do it on know, reconciliation. But the messaging should be we're, we're not going to vote for a bill that doesn't secure the border, period. Whether it helps us politically or not, we're not doing it. Uh, Jim, let me ask you about Biden's age. The NBC poll came out. Only 23 percent of Americans believe he's fit for office. I had dinner with my friend Zeb Yaroslavsky, and he's a longtime Democrat, city council member, county supervisor, wonderful guy, and, and a couple of other of my liberal to independent leading Republican friends in the Fetching Masood on Saturday night. And Zeb swears Biden's up to the job. Now, I don't I, you know, I, I, Zeb is a Dem. He's a Biden supporter. They're going to say that. Does anyone really believe that? Hugh, um, have we had any on-camera statement from the president about any of the airstrikes against the, Uth- the Houthis no. or against Iran? Not a seat, right? No Oval Office address to the nation? None. No address anywhere else? No nope. meeting to the troops? He has done some closed-door Democratic fundraisers, though. Yep. And that you know, we get transcripts of that. That's the, you know, he has done a couple, the event down in South Carolina. He does, so he's doing political events. He's not doing the traditional commander in chief. My fellow Americans, I have authorized airstrikes against these. Um, and here's the thing. I don't believe this is a deliberate strategy. Oh, we're just going to hide the president. You know, I think it's because he can't. I think if President Biden could be doing a lot more public events, he would be doing a lot more public. Events. The fact that he's not while he's down in head to head matchups against Donald Trump is evidence that he can't. Now, Nikki Haley, he is not. Nikki Haley said on the show last week, we're going to have a woman president. It's either going to be me or Kamala Harris. It's a good line. I don't know if she's going to win South Carolina or Michigan or anything on Super Tuesday. I'm, I'm, I'm neutral. It's a good line. But we, we really are. We're, Kamala Harris is on the she's going to be president if Joe Biden wins. Right. Uh, it's certainly the actuarial tables point in that direction. Uh, look, I would point out that Joe Biden is you know, he, if it used to be he did one public event a day. Somewhere between like 10 and maybe four in the afternoon, never more than one. Weekends are always in Delaware. He takes the easier steps to get down Air Force One. I don't care about that. That's fine. But I think it's just an indicator of how everybody's terrified of this guy taking a trip in a fall. Um, and that's just this, you know, like I think the irony is that as the heat race heats up, we're seeing less of Biden. And again, he's just not doing the things you'd expect a president to do. Among them, address the country when we take military action against a terrorist threat that's already killed Americans. Yeah, you cannot trick. Yes. You, know, so you, you cannot make an infirm man firm. I'm sorry? You can't, you can't make an infirm man appear physically fit. Yeah. 
Um, and oh, by the way, you know, when he's addressing, he did give the phone call to the families uh, of those who were slain over in Jordan. And he told the story that my son was killed over there, which is not the case. And I know Joe Biden believes that the burn pits are, you know, were what caused uh, Bo Biden's cancer. Not, or, or it's not proven. It's 81-year-old man behavior who's fading rapidly. And it's, it's sad. It's unfortunate. It's a fact. And we're not going to turn away. Jim Garrity. Read him in the Washington Post. Read him in National Review. Listen to the Three Martini podcast, which I un, unwittingly slandered there, I guess. But come right back to the Hugh Hewitt Show. Uh, I got a question for Generalissimo if he's around. Generalissimo. Um, MyPhDWeightLoss.com is another sponsor of the program, correct? Yes. And I have here my dosey dos, which are which are on the MyPhD Weight Loss. No, they're not. Uh, supplemental Hugh Hewitt program. I have a bunch of these in in our garage. In fact, I have a border wall of cookies in our garage. Do you and have dosey dos? I have them right here. Can I buy dosey? Because the fetching Mrs. Hewitt only bought six boxes from my own granddaughter. Okay, well, you're right here. I got my right own here. granddaughter. She only bought six boxes. I, I've, I've got them right here for you. All 22 grams per three cookies. I'm down to one box. Okay, well, I got one right here. You're my dealer. I can, I can make it happen. You're my dealer. I can happen. You're on myphdweightloss.com because and you're dealing I, because dose. you'll notice. That these boxes are unopened and they are not passing my lips. Uh, you know what? I, that you would deal dosy dos openly yes. says a lot about you. Why? Because because if you eat enough of these, then maybe just maybe you might need the program. I'd rather run ten miles like I did on Saturday and yeah, eat my dosy dos box. Eight six four run six four four nineteen hundred is the my PhD weight loss eight six four six four four nineteen hundred generalissimo loss if you're new to the show I haven't done the the monthly I'm Hugh Hewitt and that's Dwayne Dwayne lost fifty pounds fifteen uh, eighteen months ago he's kept it off fifteen months am I right yes yes so skinny Dwayne is sitting right there taunting me with dosy dose so the question i was going to ask you yes well I, we all know we love my phd weight loss 864-644-1900 welcome back america i'm hugh hewitt bethany mandel we're on opposite coasts i'm in the middle of an atmospheric river if one ever reaches a polar vortex i don't know what's going to happen but good morning to you bethany how's your monday going Good morning. Better than yours. So I guess you're up at what, 4, 4.51 in the morning? A little morning. early this morning. Uh, Bethany, let me ask you. Um, the man card is in danger because I made a deal. Um, I want to watch the Super Bowl alone next week. So I offered the fetching Mrs. Hewitt whatever she wanted on Saturday night. And so yesterday I went to the 60th anniversary showing of My Fair Lady. Do you think that's a fair trade off? You want to you want to ice her out of watching all the commercials with you and giving her a narration oh, she, of every single commercial. She won't do it. She won't watch it anyway. I just wanted to be left alone. I didn't want to have to like take so out the trash you, or anything. You've lost your man card because you negotiated very poorly. You negotiated something that she was already not planning on doing and in exchange gave up your entire Sunday afternoon. I think you need to work on your negotiating skills. It, it well, so do the Republicans, which brings me to my next subject, the non-border security bill. 
Uh, they actually sent out talking points that includes, number one, $650 million available for the next five years available. Mind you, not appropriate. Available for the next five years for building the border wall. And my favorite, $1.3 billion for ankle bracelets and other related monitoring costs for illegal aliens during the 90-day waiting period for their asylum hearing. What do those two talking points tell you? That's from the Republican senators who are in favor of this. They sent me that. I'm I'm a little confused. So we're going to let people stream through our border against our laws, but we'll make sure we know where they are for three months before we let them go. No, we're gonna we're gonna I, pretend I, I, to know where they are because Go on Google and Google getting off an ankle bracelet. It takes about three minutes, Bethany. Oh, okay. All right. Well, good for them. I mean, again, I think we need to have Mrs. Hewitt in on the negotiations because that um, that doesn't seem like a very good idea. I mean, this is the issue that I think Democrats are weakest on, um, especially among Hispanics. People don't really love to see the lawlessness at the border. This is an opportunity for Republicans to cash in on the, the best angle they have going into an election year. And it sounds like they've just completely squandered it. If they would have built the wall, I would have supported this. I, I told them that. I told them that privately and publicly, honest to goodness, send the signal, build the wall. We can deal with the people who are here. We can expedite everything else. One thing, the wall, and instead we get a billion dollars of ankle bracelets. Bethany, this can't pass. Do, they, do, do you think it has a prayer? I mean, Republicans are exceedingly good at taking the best opportunities possible and squandering them. So, yeah, I think it has a great chance. I, I, I can't wait to spend a billion children's money on uh, plastic ankle bracelets that will be left in the Rio Grande. That, that, that is to me, it, it's just so extraordinarily stupid. Now, let me ask you about I want to switch it over to Israel. Do you think because I had this discussion with a very pro-Israeli Democrat, a guy I've known forever, Zeb Yaroslavsky, great public servant, Democrat, 40 years. He thinks Biden is good with Israel. He, he thinks Biden's been great on Israel after the massacre. And I said, no, he started good and he's been backpedaling since. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think your assessment is right. I mean, I think he's been great. The best we could have possibly hoped for out of a Democrat period. Um, in the course of the last couple of weeks, I think that that has been floundering a lot in, in large part because he's starting to look towards the election and he's looking at his numbers in Michigan. Um, I contend he might even be a little tiny baby concerned about New York. Um, this is this is going to be an election year problem for him. You know, I was listening to the Commentary Magazine podcast disclosure. My husband is on it. And I actually disagreed with their assessment. They said, you know, I, I don't think that I don't think that Muslims are going to abandon Biden. I think they will. I think that they they have no incentive because they feel like they're choosing between the same policy in both parties. I've spoken to a lot of Muslims who have said that to me explicitly. I'm glad you brought that up. Here's the unsolicited plug. I think the commentary pod is the best daily political pod exactly. in America. I just think it's fabulous. Yeah. How do they know all this stuff? I'm really mad. That's I know a lot of stuff, but they know everything about everything. I know. I know. That's my question. I, I often will yell at Seth after I've listened to it. I'm like, why didn't you tell me that? 
Why yeah, don't I listen to your podcast for me? They'll do an offhanded on some obscure musician or movie that came out 45 years ago, and they'll do 10 minutes on that. Mm-hmm. I've never met Abe, and I know everyone else, and they're all very smart, but it makes me mad and jealous. Is that wrong? Should I be jealous? Oh, yeah. and No. No. So it's go. so nice to hear that, honestly, because I also resent all of those jerks. Good, good. I, I'm glad, because if they would just be a little more humble... And and perhaps mm-hmm. say, I don't know anything about that. Even when they do, that's my suggestion to them. <laughs> Bethany Mandel is available on X at Bethany Shondark because she's stubborn and won't change her handle, which drives me crazy, too. Bethany, thank you. I'll be right back. Hour three on bad border, non-border. It's just terrible. The border bill is just terrible. Morning, Glory America. Bonjour. Hi, Canada. Hugh Hewitt live in California where it's raining, so we're in crisis mode. Uh, luckily, I have John Hinderecker to join me. John is the president of the Center for the American Experiment. He's a member of the Powerline Gang. He's part of the Northern Alliance, the original Northern Alliance. And he is actually, more importantly, the husband of Lori. How are you, John? I'm doing great, Hugh. Great to be with you. Uh, John, I saw a story over the week and that I did not realize. Your offices, you're the boss of the Center for the Exper- American Experiment after finishing up 30 years as being... Minnesota's finest litigator. Uh, and then, sorry, Dwight Rabus, he'll be mad at me, tied. Uh, and then you took over Center for the American Experiment, and it got firebombed, and I haven't seen it anywhere. Would you give us the story and then tell us the story about it not being a story? Well, Hugh, it happened a weekend before last, so what, eight or nine days ago now. It was uh, 2 o'clock on Sunday morning. And somebody broke into the building where Center of the American Experiment and two other conservative organizations are located. And it's a um, it's in a suburb about three or four miles west of downtown Minneapolis. It's a good sized building, but only three stories high. Houses a lot of small businesses, psychologists, chiropractors, financial advisors, things like that. But it's also the center of the conservative movement in Minnesota. And so uh, whoever did this broke into the building and they set two separate fires. They set one fire on the ground floor uh, in the corridor between our office, the American Experiment Office, and the space across the hall that we actually subleased to a a black-run organization called Take Charge. And then separately, they set a fire on the third floor in the offices of the Upper Midwest Law Center, which is a conservative uh, public interest uh, law firm, which, uh, which I was involved in founding and on whose board I, I serve. So they set those two separate fires at about two o'clock in the morning and, and, and fled. And fortunately, somebody saw flames or smoke, uh, called the fire department, which is not far away. They got there quickly. They got the fires put out. Uh, The third floor office of the Upper Midwest Law Center is uh, completely gone. I mean, utterly and completely destroyed. The corridor uh, where they set the fire on the first floor, the the southern half of that corridor, looks like a war zone. I mean, the destruction is unbelievable. But uh, those are substantial walls on that corridor. The sheetrock held long enough uh, for the firemen to get the fire put out. And so our office uh, has got two inches of water standing in it and smoke damage, that kind of thing. But it wasn't consumed by fire. John, I got to say a couple things first. 
Uh, I can't imagine how a law firm comes back from a fire very easily because all of your stuff, I mean, it's it's kind of a nightmare. The center will be fine. Do they question, Do they have they arrested a suspect? No, Hugh. Uh, it was obvious to the first responders that this was a case of arson, so they immediately brought, brought in both ATF and the FBI. And those federal agencies have divided up the organization. So ATF is doing the actual fire investigation, pinning down the use of accelerants and, and that kind of thing. The FBI is trying to catch the culprits. And I have been cooperating closely with the FBI uh, in hopes of being able to find the people who, who did this. Well, I hope they do. Can I, when, when the ATF is there, by the way, can you ask him to send me some of the accelerant? Because I'd like to put that in Dwayne's drinks because it's been very slow lately around here. John, let's also talk about the fact, has the media covered an attack upon three conservative organizations uh, of this sort? Because if this happened to the Southern Poverty Law Center or to MoveOn.org or to ActBlue, we would have heard about nothing else for 10 days except the probably the white supremacist MAGA people who did this. I just how much media coverage has there been? Well, it started slow, Hugh. I mean, the original uh, one or two stories in, in local news, the headline would be conservative groups claim to be victims of arson, as if there was some doubt, you know. But starting late last week, uh, they kind of caught up with the story. The Star Tribune did a, a, a modest story at it. They didn't interview me, by the way. They just took a quote from me off our press release uh, without actually calling, calling you me. Mean, are you like an untouchable it. for the Star Tribune? Are you in the caste system of Minnesota? You're an untouchable? Well, I don't know. I, I wouldn't go that far. We get a lot of op-eds in the Star Tribune, you know, but in any event, and, and all of the local uh, television networks have covered the story. What I've found, Hugh, is that there's a lot of national and even international interest in this story. So I spent all day on Friday giving interviews to, to various people, you know, locally, but mostly other places around the country. And I've got more, more of those interviews uh, set up today. Have any tomorrow. donors so stepped up to help you guys? Uh, not yet, Hugh. You know, we are working through the issues with the insurance companies. Uh, our, our landlord is offering us temporary space. We got we got to get through a lot of logistical issues here, you know, just to continue without our, our operations being being interrupted. But as you know, Hugh, nowadays, your physical office is not as important as it once was. All of our people work off laptops, you know, so so our, well, our really important stuff. What I would love to have happen, John, is for some conservative philanthropist to write you a big check so that the nutters out there realize every time they firebomb a conservative think tank and law firm, it's going to help the conservative think tank and law firm. That's really that which gets rewarded gets repeated. And thus far, they've disrupted you. If you win, from this, it will stop other attacks from occurring. I'm glad no one was hurt, right? People could be killed. You never know. I, arson is arson. These people had murderous intent. Right. They should go to jail for a long time. But I would love a conservative funder to say, you know what? Let's cut a big check to what, by the way, what's the website for the Center for American Experiment? It's AmericanExperiment.org. And you can see pictures and video of the of the results of the of the fire there. Hugh, we are going to announce later this week that we're offering a $20,000 reward for uh, tips leading to the apprehension of the people who, who set these fires. 
uh, just very briefly, it, it, our building, we got a lake to the south of us, and the only practical way to get access to our building is on a frontage road next to a major highway. The FBI has told me there are cameras on that frontage road. So if those cameras were working and if they were sharp enough to pick up license plate numbers, I, I think now that they came on cross country skis, John. I'm pretty sure. I know Minnesota pretty well. Uh, I also got to ask, are we sure it just wasn't a hot dish gone bad? Someone brought you a hot dish and it just went bad. Well, hot dishes don't use accelerants, Hugh, and it would be really remarkable for two different hot dishes, one on the first floor and one on the third floor, to simultaneously go bad. I'm just covering all the Minnesota bases. Now, John, i got to ask you while I've got you. This is unrelated to the arson. I just put the link up. People go see it. Send them the check. The border bill, the non-border bill was released last night. I got hammered with talking points from the Senate uh, Republican who are in favor of it. Summary point number one, $650 million available for the next five years for building the border wall. That's way down the sheet. It's the first talking point under border. What does that tell John Hinderacker? $650 million available for the next five years for building the border wall. What does that mean to John? Hugh, the Democrats are in a panic because they are going to get crushed in November on the issue of the border. And so after, you know, three years of complete nonfeasance, worse than nonfeasance, this is a deliberate attempt by Joe Biden to open our border and to get millions of illegal immigrants into the country. He did this on purpose. But now they're in a panic and they're trying to get the Republicans to agree to some kind of a so-called compromise. And so that this becomes a bipartisan disaster instead of a Biden administration administration disaster. And I think I hope that if the Republicans are smart, that they won't go along with it. But if they say 650 million available, because if they had built the border wall, if it actually had built the wall, I would have said, "Okay, that will end the problem. Do you think this is really building the wall? Well, it's like a lot of these things. You know, I mean, Ronald Reagan fell for this in 1986, right? Hey, here's a compromise. You know, the, the compromise, I haven't read the text yet. It just came out. But the compromise, I'm sure, is going to involve legalizing many of these millions of illegals who have flowed across the border. And, you know, the wall is one thing. It's part of the solution. But if you don't want people crossing your border, you can stop it. And what we need is an administration that actually wants to stop it. And what we have now is an administration that wants millions of illegals flooding into the country. So I, I, agree yeah, with that general, but I, I do want people to understand it does not build the wall. Uh, if that was what their price was, they didn't get it. Promises. They, it promises to build a wall. Promises yeah, to build a wall. 650 million is nothing. I got to tell you, I didn't even bring up. Yeah. I didn't have enough time to tell you. You'll be relieved to know that there is 1.3 billion for ankle bracelets. How hard is it to get an ankle bracelet off, John? And really, that's a talking point. $1.3 billion for ankle bracelets. Well, let's not let them in in the first place. We won't need ankle bracelets. Yeah, I don't think they're very hard to get off. John Hinderacker from AmericanExperiment.org. Thank you, friend. Good to see you. I hope you rebuild quickly. Stay tuned, America. I'm Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400.
I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome back, America. Tracy Chapman and Luke Holmes stealing the show at the Grammys last night. Now, I did not watch the Grammys. I did not play at the Grammys last night. I mean, it was wet. And I'm not going to do a Grammys show. And we already knew Taylor Swift was going to and did, in fact, win Album of the Year. But I did not expect this. And this was refreshing and wonderful and welcome. The backstory, it's really actually two parts. Fast Car by Tracy Chapman is my go-to song for putting babies to sleep. And I've had grandchildren around for 12 years. The scholar is 12 years old, and I have two toddlers who are now 19 months old, cousins born on the same day. And The Flash uh, was born here with me, uh, and uh, the fetching Mrs. Hewitt, when my daughter was here, and my son-in-law was deployed. So we had, uh, you know, reverted to young parent status in our 50s, and that was quite the, the kick. And I learned then, because The Flash would not go to sleep, could not go to sleep, had tummy problems that many infants have when they're, they're born a little early. And the, the go-to song was Tracy Chapman, Fast Car. I don't know why. I think it's the tenor and timbre of her voice. It puts babies to sleep. You play Fast Car three times and follow it up with Willie Nelson, Be Thou My Vision, and that baby is out. So... Earlier this year, Luke Combs, and I've never played with Luke. He, he's the next generation. Uh, and I got, never got a chance to play with Tracy either. I never overstate my cred. The Luke Combs recovers Fast Car. And the uh, racial controversy industry, that is people who only write about race and how bad it is, thought that Luke was appropriating uh, the black singer music, even though she was pretty happy to have her song go to number one on the country charts, and she said at the time, I never expected that. And so, last night, after, it was a ginned up, made up controversy, as so many of the uh, racial controversies are in the United States, and I think most people are just sick of made up. It's not George Floyd. It's not a real controversy. It's a made up controversy about appropriation that isn't appropriation. It's covering someone else's song. And I can't tell you how many times people have covered my songs, but I will say I've never objected. It's always kind of an homage. And I accept that. Uh, And and Tracy Combs was very generous. And then those two playing together, the reason they got the reception that they got 
is that she's wonderful. He's great. He's big. Uh, They did a great rendition. And it put the lie to the story that the music industry is all about race or that there was any appropriation going on or that that it's even a concept that occurred to Americans, given that most rock and roll music, like 100 percent, is appropriated from black folks who started it with jazz. Dwayne, what do you think? Rock and roll and and appropriation. You think we got basically Ours, all of it? Uh, basically, rock and roll was was quote unquote appropriated from uh, southern gospel and R and B. Basically, yeah, right. I mean, it's just it's just black music this taken whole, over this and whole, began in Memphis. This this whole controversy was allegedly that somebody like a Tracy Chapman would have never been able to have the success with Fast Car and a career in country music as as Luke Combs did. The problem is. She was a blues and folk artist. She would have. She was never trying to be. But she a had a great. Cr- Let's close here. If you're watching on the Salem News Channel, you can watch this clip to find the whole thing. It's a fabulous performance, and I'll be right back with more news on this Monday morning. I'm Hugh Hewitt, and it's raining in California. Run away. Back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt. It's raining in California, so, of course, it's a state of emergency. So I thought I'd call on Doug Marie's, who lives in Ohio and produces the wonderful new podcast, Kings of the North, the best collegiate football podcast available. Doug, it's raining in California, and people are losing their mind. Have you ever been in California when it rains, Doug? Uh, you know what? Maybe I haven't, and I guess I'm glad I, I haven't maybe, right? Uh, well, I'm thinking that the Pac-10 is in for trouble if this is what happens yeah. when the Pac-10 clubs come to the Midwest because it's basically always raining in Ohio. Doug, welcome back. It's good to see you. Longtime friend of the show. I was crushed last year when you left Cleveland.com until you showed up over at Kings of the North. And the guys, Stephen and Nathan and the new guy, I can never remember his name. They're doing a fine job at at the Buckeye pod. But tell us about Kings of the North because it's a big development. And on Mondays, I try and give people something to be happy about. Yeah, no, well, I appreciate the the opportunity, Hugh. This is a new college football podcast about the North because I do think a lot of times the South is so good at college football, Alabama and Georgia and Clemson and Texas and LSU, and they dominate the conversation when it comes to college football. So we wanted to have a show where we talk only about Northern schools. That's the Big Ten schools, but it's Notre Dame, it's Iowa State, it's Utah and BYU and Colorado and Cincinnati and West Virginia and Syracuse and Pitt and Boston College. Everybody in the top half, we have a, like a, a cultural affinity for the sport as well, right? That we know the South loves football, and this is not too say the South isn't great, but it's to say the North is just as good. The North is just as interested in this sport. And then, by the way, we start the show and we get a Michigan-Washington national title game. So the North rose up to meet the challenge of Kings of the North. Now, I want to stress the cultural point here. I grew up in Ohio, northeastern Ohio, which is an epicenter of football. And the folks in Texas and Alabama like to think they invented the game, but it's actually there's a reason the Pro Football Hall of Fame is in Cleveland. And there is a different approach to it because it's all we've got. We don't get to go outdoors during the winter much because, as we are seeing in California today, it matters a lot. Doug LeMarie, do you ignore the SEC on this podcast? And with him, tell, tell us about Bill Landis, your colleague in this. 
Yeah, so Bill Landis, he and I worked at Cleveland.com back in the day and did an Ohio State show. We're now at this new company together where we do the Kings of the North. And we only talk about the South to, to poke fun at the South. Because, listen, man, there are Southern college football shows. They dominate the national scene, but they also have their scene. So we – and listen – More of the best high school football players, everybody knows this, are in the South. It's a demographic shift. We know that. To get the best guys, Northern teams have to go recruit in the South. So it's more of a challenge to win in the North. So we want to find a way to say, hey, maybe in a given year, you're not as good as Alabama or Georgia, but we still want to celebrate your accomplishments. And by the way, with the way the sport is unfolding, Hugh, I mean, really, the, the, the stuff in the news is SEC and Big Ten ready to take over college football. The sport is splitting north and south anyway. So we want to acknowledge that. And part of that is the Pac-12, the Western Conference, doesn't exist anymore. And that conference split north and south. So it's the way the sport's moving. Now, let me let me ask you about what you're going to do with USC and UCLA. Now, I, I'm living in Southern yeah. California for a month, and I'm out here every year for a month or two. And... You know, I hate USC. I can't tell you how much I hate USC because they used to beat Ohio State every time we played in the Rose Bowl when I was a kid. And and then they would beat Notre Dame during the year. So I hate USC. And they're back. Now they're in my conference. How are you treating them as a northern? They have to be in the north now, right? Because they decided to throw in with us. So so one of the things people have asked, like how you decide is, is a program north or not. And I said this the other day. I was on a West Virginia show. I said, do you own a snow shovel? (laughs) Hugh, do you have a snow shovel? Do you have I, a snow shovel at your house in Southern California? No, but I do in Virginia. So uh, Virginia could be in, but so, I guess Southern California is not. So, like, just because the Big Ten grabbed USC and UCLA, I don't know that we're calling them north. People have suggested maybe they have, like, observer status, right? <laughs> we acknowledge them. But that's like, you're, are, you of, are you of the north? If you're not shoveling snow, I'm not sure, man, because part of this is to me in recruiting when you're having high school kids on your campus is whether a plus or a minus. Is it something you accentuate? Hey, 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 wow, look at the sun. Or is it something you have to overcome? I've heard so many stories of kids coming to Ohio State being recruited by the Buckeyes from the South. They see snow for the first time on their visit in Columbus. That's not something USC and UCLA have to deal with. So no. I don't know if we can call them fully north. Well, well there are two points. When, when, when I was showing my son colleges, I took him to Miami of Ohio, where he eventually went in January, because I didn't want to get any phone calls in January that it's too cold to stay here. But number two, it is snowing right now down to 2,000 feet. And there's a lot of they're They're actually in Southern California, as they, the late Jerry Dunphy used to say, from the mountains to the sea. There's a lot of snow today. So there's occasionally snow. It's just higher up. Doug, how often are you going to do kings of the north because i wait for it to drop i like the other Ohio state pods but when does it drop and how often are you going to have it drop yeah so we're like we had a soft launch soft launch this season we're building up to it we have great big plans i have this if you're watching the show you see my horrible yellow wall behind me we're gonna paint my wall so right now it's twice a week tuesdays and thursdays most of the time And we're going to get to five days a week for this college football season. So starting in July, when we go out to the conference media days and we start talking about college football uh, fully again, we will be 
five days a week, Monday through Friday, maybe a post-game show on Saturday. So we, we want to do this thing every day and give people who love Northern football a chance to appreciate it. Now, you and Landis are a superb team, and you were great with Nathan and Steven as well. So you're very good at, at making this work, but there's still got to be a transition period of time, and there's a little bit of mix-up in brand. How are you going to separate from Ohio State brand into the North brand, which I think is very important for people who are just tired uh, and I, it's, it's a real thing. Uh, the SEC folks who are listening right now, I got thousands of listeners throughout the South. Bear with me. Yeah. I'm tired of hearing about the SEC uh, on ESPN. I just, I just really am. It's all ESPN stuff. They're not going to cover the five star from Alabama who committed to Ohio State over the weekend. But how are you going to brand separate so that people who don't care as much about the Buckeyes as I do know that it's not the Buckeye pod? Yeah, I mean, this is the challenge, right? This is how it. You start off local, then you try to go national. You you did it. Like I'm, I, you try to follow the plan. The thing that I say is, Columbus is the capital of Northern football. All That's the true. success that Michigan has had. Michigan's the national champ. Michigan has beaten Ohio State three times in a row. But when you think about um, population, when you think about historic success. It makes sense to me that we are doing this show for the North in the capital of Northern football, but we're going to spread out. We're going to celebrate everybody. You know, I've been doing Ohio State for almost two decades. It is a little bit something to overcome, but people have to, I didn't go to Ohio State. Like I'm not, I'm, you know, I, I appreciate Ohio State success, but I want to make sure I understand that I'm going to appreciate the success at Syracuse and Iowa State and Oregon just as much because the the main thing is, Hugh, again, the South gets all the attention. So someone's got to stand up for the North. So, yeah, I'm going to do some little, some Ohio State stuff still. But we are in the capital of Northern football, and we're here for everybody in the North. And I saw when I went to link the podcast, you got your own brand design. I love the Triton, by the way. It's excellent branding. Kings of the North. And it will go to five days a week, which is an enormous relief to me. I was going to press you on that. Uh, now, Doug, talk to me a little bit about the reality. Who is your rival? Who is your counterpart? on a Southern football podcast. Does one exist? Because one's going to arise pretty soon because this is going to work. Kings of the North is going to work. Who's going to mirror you? So there there are like multiple things. There's a good there's two good Southern guys on ESPN to do a show once a week. Marty and McGee, who are, who are friends oh, yeah. of, of ours, and they do a great job. Um, I was at one of the things that triggered this for me, Hugh, is when I was covering the Ohio State Georgia semifinal in Atlanta and in the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, they had a shirt that said um, like Saturdays down south, which I think is a college football brand. And I was like. This is the this is the College Football Hall of Fame. It's for everybody. But yet there's a thing here that is a separator. So there are multiple brands that that talk about Southern college football first. And part of it is this SEC idea where they say it just means more. That's been a slogan for the SEC. So like that, I feel like it exists in multifaceted ways. And as you pointed out, ESPN used to be with the Big Ten, right? And CBS would show the SEC games. Now the TV contracts have switched, and ESPN no longer is going to have Big Ten games. They're going to have the SEC games. So as you already noticed, it's only going to get more that ESPN is going to hammer the SEC. And ESPN is the number one voice in college football. So we might just be pushing back against SEC stuff on ESPN, man. Good for you. Now, last question, Doug. I... um. I believe college football's had 
convulsion after convulsion. They've had an earthquake, a volcano, and a typhoon in NIL, et cetera. The last time I addressed the Republican senators, we spent an hour and a half talking about NIL. I, I don't know anything about NIL. I said, I don't want to change NIL. Ohio State has a competitive advantage. You covered it in the last one. How much are you going to cover the ongoing, rapid evolution of college football, which is both a North and a South issue on Kings of the North? Yeah, so it's one of these things. Remember when you were a college football fan, Hugh, as a young man, and you thought, my favorite thing about college football is rules and money. That's why I love sport, right? So a, a little bit goes a long way. How it affects the football is how we want to talk about it. Are you going to play different people? Is your school going to be better or worse on the field in the u- new universe? But every little machination of they're having a meeting about this and they're playing, they're leaking this and they're playing to the public in this. Uh, I'd rather talk about who has the best running game in the North. You know what I mean? So like we don't, we don't care as much as some people do because it's all about the ball. Well, it is off to a great start. I recommend it to everyone. It's at iTunes, where, and I assume Spotify. Where else is Kings of the North, Doug? Yeah, we have a YouTube channel where you can watch it on video, um, but also anywhere you find podcasts, you will find Kings of the North. Thank you for joining me, Doug. Good luck on the new effort. It is well and long overdue because, honestly, folks, honestly, Northern football is very different than Southern football, as our friends in the Pac-10 are going to find out when they come and play in November and December back. Yeah, they're only going to play the Army-Navy game. They're both, they're both Northern teams. I wonder. I guess Air Force Academy is North, so the, uh, the Commander's Trophy will be a Northern issue. Doug Maurice, you can follow him on Twitter. You can follow the podcast as well and follow it, I mean, by having it show up in your feed. It's fabulous. I think Doug is one of the best voice talents in america and if anyone had a brain they'd not only they'd go to whoever owns whatever he owns they'd buy it and they'd make him do talk show every day on all sports but they haven't done that in the meantime kings of the north is going to take off like a rocket thank you doug don't go anywhere america back with the bad border bill when i return on the this is dennis prager i am excited to announce the all-new pragertopia plus You can listen to my show whenever it's convenient for you, all commercial-free and all on demand. Now with Prager Plus, search topics, guests, and segments all the way back to 2010. And now a truly exciting new benefit, my monthly online video get-together for PragerTopia Plus members only. This is where for an hour each month, PragerTopia Plus members get an exclusive chance to ask me anything. That's right, anything. It's on video. I'll be talking to you and answering your questions. We may even have a special guest every now and then. I've never done this. Submit your questions for me at PragerTopia.com. This is only available to PragerTopia Plus members. This is our chance to connect like never before. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.